0: Hi, I'm Jordan Laurel, and welcome to my show where we make the human experience magical through mental health, mindset, and manifestation. My story is one of radical transformation and rebirth. From depressed, disempowered, and dependent to flourishing within an incredible life I've created, this podcast is me sharing my process of overcoming and creating a magical human experience to help support you as you do the same tune in every monday to feel empowered through stories, wisdom and lots of super practical tips. Because I am proof you can change your entire life and manifest a life beyond your wildest dreams. Welcome to the Magical Human Experience podcast. Welcome back to the podcast, friends. I hope you guys had a great weekend. I had a blast at my aunt's 76th birthday. Uh, she is honestly an icon and goals. I really respect her so much. Uh, she, and even my parents, to be honest, as we have all grown and healed together. <laughs> um, but she is, she's 76 now, and she lost her husband a few years ago. She was literally the just epitome of caring and loving and supporting and showing up at the hospital and just through all of his doctor's appointments everything he went through he passed from Crohn's disease it got really bad Um, but she was just just went above and beyond and then eventually put herself back out there by going to dances in the area her and my mom actually fun fact used to be incredible dancers ballroom dancers they would be up in New York all weekend and just yeah it, I, the stories sound so just fun and exciting and I kind of wish I could have been there to just like see them back then, but uh, she is just so fun. She's always finding things to smile about and laugh about and I just respected that she decided to put herself back out there and she actually has a great boyfriend now. They go out dancing all the time, um, oftentimes with my parents and just the amount of fun that they have in their 70s. I just, I hope that I am that excited and loving life when I am in my 70s, still getting out there and just creating fun and adventure for myself and really enjoying myself. And, um, you know, especially my parents, their dedication in their marriage has been really, really just inspirational to see as well. Um, And my aunt putting herself back out there at 70, 75, I guess she was when she put herself 74, 75, somewhere in there. Um, So, yeah, she is so fun. And it's always... It's always really powerful, I find, to spend time with older people. It's something I wasn't really doing much until coming back to the area and spending a lot of time with my aunt and her boyfriend and my parents and um, some of their friends. And it's, it's really nice to see or just to hear the perspective of people who have been here for a long time and gone through all of the different phases of life, you know, getting married, having kids, um, growing old, going through menopause. Like it's just, I don't know, I think it just adds a lot of perspective and it's really helped me to just have a bit of a maybe more well-rounded perspective on certain things and to just think differently than people my age are oftentimes thinking about things. So I'm trying to do more of that, and I've honestly been just so grateful for this season. I obviously was not expecting to be home this long on the East Coast, but I am really grateful. It was definitely meant to happen for a reason, and I know I shared in in recent episodes that my family and I have gone to therapy together, and our relationship has gotten really great. My mom and I were able to have such a great girls' trip to Miami because of that and yeah I'm just I'm so grateful Uh, which fun fact by the way I am headed back down to Miami in February to look at apartments and areas definitely you know wanting to feel this move out and make sure it's definitely the right next move for me but I was really excited I manifested another partnership for uh, staying down there and I'm just I'm so excited obviously to get out of the cold but especially to to just get to kind of explore more and take more inspired action towards this next move that feels just exciting and right for me. So stay tuned for more Miami content. I know you guys loved the Miami content and I was surprised how many of you guys really enjoyed the recommendations I gave for where my mom and I went to eat and went to drink. I'm asking her to come with to come back with me on this next trip for at least part of it. So I'm sure there will be lots more fun adventures and uh, delicious dining experiences to share with you guys. So stay tuned for that. But speaking of Miami, our guest today is actually from Miami. I was sad that I found out literally the day after we recorded in December that I booked a partnership in Miami and I was going to be there like two weeks later. So we could have recorded in person, but I still am so excited for you guys to hear this conversation. It is so good. It's packed with so Many amazing takeaways. Uh, Before I dive into that, let me tell you who our guest is. Our guest is Case Kenny, which you might have seen his quote posts floating around Instagram. He's had quite a few go viral and They're just so shareable because they really just uplift you. I think that's the best word I could come up with when I was thinking like, how do I describe these? They're so uplifting. They either are reminding you of how far you've come, of how you deserve good people and good things in life, of the fact that it's okay to be different, it's okay to be weird, and most of all, it's okay to be yourself. In fact, it's so important to be yourself. And we go into that in the episode a little bit, just the importance of being authentic, and then creating a life that is aligned with your authentic self, which you guys know I can't stop talking about because it is so life-changing and just so important and powerful, especially for manifesting. Manifesting well, manifesting good things, manifesting what you want. But he, so in addition to this amazing Instagram account where he is just sharing very powerful, positive, uplifting content, He also has a well-known podcast that he's had for quite a few years now. He's been a guest on major podcasts. He has a book out called That's Bold of You, and he also has journals to help you be mindful and work on practicing mindfulness, and that's kind of the topic of today's conversation. We dive into what is mindfulness, why is it so important, how is it actually powerful in our lives and with manifestation, how to be more mindful and to connect more with yourself, the point of mindfulness, and Case also just shares so many helpful things. He shares how he gets himself to work with himself and overcome the uncomfortable emotions that stand in the way of us doing the things that We know are going to get us closer to the things we want in life, but often hold us back. Why it's so important to be honest with ourselves and others and how you always are so served when you do that. He has a really cool phrase that he shares in the episode that I was just like, yes, it's so true the five to one ratio that he ties into his relationship with himself, the benefit of working with yourself, which, you know, I go on and on about as well. There was just so much alignment in the conversation, but just so many really great takeaways. And I just, I think you guys are going to love it and get so much out of it. So without chatting anymore, I hope you guys enjoy and let's dive into the episode. Hi, Case. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, I am so excited to dive into today's conversation. I really, really resonated with your content when I actually had some people send me because you make these super shareable, um, I guess what are they called memes?
1: Memes, quotes, internet content. Who knows at this point?
0: <laughs> yeah, very repostable word posts yes. maybe is a, a different way there you to, go. to put them. Um, but I really resonated um, with just you know how you're... Your purpose kind of online or your mission seems to be supporting people's mental health, helping them cultivate a positive mindset, build a healthy and loving relationship with themselves, kind of the fundamentals of what we need to be happy, thriving individuals, Uh, which for me, you know, I also kind of consider these things, the building blocks of personal power, uh, which is really the foundation of being a powerful manifester, which is like a huge part of what I talk about, especially on the podcast, because you can do, you can do the vision boarding and like the feeling, feelings of what you want. But for me, what's been more powerful is really having like my default vibration be really high, which has stemmed from a healthy mindset and relationship with myself. Honestly, I feel like kind of the best gift and manifestation that I've gotten from doing this work is really feeling just amazing a lot of the time, which has been really, really powerful for somebody who I used to be just very broken, very anxious, very depressed. And yeah, for me, I know it was like a a journey quite a journey to get here and just seeing you your success uh but more importantly your work and your impact i was like there's probably a really good story that's going to be inspiring encouraging empowering uh so I, i'd love for you to dive into that and kind of take us back to who you were before all of this um and kind of what led you into what you're doing now
1: for sure yeah i i'll make it pretty short because I, I could talk and talk and talk about it. so i'm 35 now um, previous life, I, I worked in advertising, I led a sales team. Now, you know, obviously I, I do this full time. Um, but really, you know, my foray into wellness, into self-help, into mental health, into mindfulness, like it was never on on my vision board or goal list or anything like that. I never had any inclination to do anything like this. Um, I did want to write. I did want to be an author, but I had no inclination to to do wellness or self-help or give advice. I still think it's funny. In fact, um, really what got me to this point though was, you know, at some point in my career in sales, um, you know, sales is this this thing where, you know, you've got to, you've got to grind, you've got to be confident, you've got to execute, you've got to be a leader, you've got to do all these things. At a certain point in like 2018, um, you know, I started at this company and rose up through the ranks and did well for myself. And I was like, man, I really like who I am. Uh like I'm really digging this. I'm I'm type A, I'm confident, I close deals, I lead a team, the whole thing. I was like, I like this person. But I also had this inclination at the same time that, you know, there was a outward version of case and an inward version of case. And like, they weren't the same person. Like on the outside, I knew what to do, right. I know how to close a deal. I knew what to do in a career. I knew what looked good on paper. Um, But on the inside, it was, you know, you know, pretty like typical fragile, you know, humanness of uncertainty. I felt pressured, borrowing, doing the whole things. And I was a little frustrated by that fact that I could detect an inner and outer case. Um, And so, (laughs) From that, literally, this is where it all started. Just an inclination. I started the podcast on a whim. Nothing else before, um, you know, never had any interest in wellness. In fact, uh, you know, for most of my 20s, I would say I was kind of cynical of self help. Like, who are other people to tell me what to do? Like, what a ridiculous thing. Um, And so I started the podcast, not as a self help podcast or anything like that. I started it to force myself to be honest with myself so that I could be that same person on the inside and out. So really, it was it was a measure of forcing myself to have perspective on things that I ignored and pushed under under the rug in favor of being this this outward facing case. Mm-hmm. Um, and so basically, I just started the podcast, and I would just ask myself questions: Why do I feel this way? What is my goal with this? Why X Y Z? Lots of whys. Mm-hmm. And fast forward, basically the result of that, um, you know, the podcast, you know. Did well right off the bat, which is is another story. Um, But really what I realized through that process, and that was almost six years ago, was I was practicing mindfulness. Mindfulness, the art of being honest with yourself, the art of why, the art of putting your feelings on trial. And that is where I've really found my stride. Cause I don't really consider myself a self-help person. I consider myself a mindfulness person, someone who's good at asking questions and perspective and empowering myself and now other people to find answers that are right for them. And, you know, long of the short, from there, you know, I eventually quit my job. Sirius picked up the pod. I do the pod. I've written a bunch of books. A lot of people know me from social for for the little quotes I write that are that's my attempt to summarize in, you know, 12 15 words some of these things i talk about on the podcast but really it's just a, you know, a 6-year uh, endeavor of trying to better know myself and then develop tactics to help other people do the same. So not saying here's how to live, here's how to do this, i don't know. I'm 35. I don't have nearly any of the answers, but what i've gotten good at, gotten good at it, is is mindfulness. And I think mindfulness is a muscle. The art of asking yourself questions and being honest with yourself is a muscle. So now when people ask me what I do for a living, I typically say that I share my feelings for a living, which is kind of just a a tongue in cheek way of avoiding the question, I suppose. But really that is what mindfulness is as I, as I define it, the art of sharing your feelings with yourself and then taking that out into the world with you and connecting your mindfulness with action. And that's what I'm very passionate about, encouraging people to do that in their own way on, on brand with them and to challenge themselves in the process. So that's the Maybe four or five minute version of of how we got here.
0: Yeah, I I love that so much to comment on. Uh, I first of all <laughs> though love, and I I think it's just such a mark of wisdom when somebody who is in a place of authority or leadership or whatnot, when they encourage people to tune inward and actively admit or you know say that I don't know what's best for everybody. I don't have all the answers, you know, but I would encourage you to think about these things and tune inward. Cause I feel like I personally believe that we have really almost everything we need within us. You know, we are made for community and we do need community, but everything starts with us. And for me, something that's changed my life so much is actually learning how to insource versus outsource. So I love that you, you encourage people to do that.
1: Yeah. I appreciate that. I mean, that's a big part of what I stand for. It's like the adage is true. The more you know, the more you realize you don't know. So for me to, <laughs> yeah. to, to lecture or tell people, oh, I'm 35. This is the way to do things. Ridiculous. An absolutely ridiculous statement. So I'm very big on what you just described of helping people return to themselves. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, I think the, the focus of our lives, frankly, should be Uh, it's the art of unbecoming, right? It's the art of letting go of all this noise that we've probably accumulated in our 20s and 30s and letting go of the things that don't matter and grasping onto the things that do. It's it's a matter of simplification. And, you know, I I think my biggest mission in life is to help people be seen. For one, they feel seen. That's the most common message I get. They say, wow, I feel seen by your content. Great. We have a foundation. And then from there, it's ask yourself this, consider this perspective, but it's, it's never, you know, X, Y, Z, ABC. It's always like how and why and where, and any of these types of questions that I find so empowering.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm curious, like thinking about this, where it came from that we have been so wired to not be and share our authentic selves. Cause this is, this is something I've spent a lot of time thinking about and working on and just really working to be comfortable sharing my authentic self in not just people with people in my life, but like online as well. And it's so scary. And it seems like, you know, there's certain things that are acceptable and certain things that aren't. And I'm like, where, why is it? Why do we have to do so much work unbecoming? And like, why? Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm sure we could jam on that one for for hours because there's so much there, right? There's There's, you know, developmental, challenges, right? Like attachment styles. Like we're not just, we're not the way we are just because we opened our eyes and all of a sudden we have certain inclinations. Like we, a lot of our, uh, the pieces of friction in our life and resistance to certain things is learned hundred percent. Um, so a lot, any therapist is going to help you go as far back as humanly possible to understand where these things came from. So there's, there's developmental. Um, I think there's a lot of societal and, you know, social and social media, uh, that really, in, you know, entrench us in these things, fear of judgment, people pleasing, all these things. Rushing, I think is a big one. Um, all these things, I, I think you put them together in a, in a smoothie and you drink it, you, you kind of, you get lost in the sauce of why we're doing what we're doing or why we're not doing what we're doing. Um, we're kind of all over the place, certainly. So I I really do believe in the power of of a less is more mentality towards you know, being happy, which is such a, a vague goal, but we all want to be happy. But I think we're all under this inclination, all those things consider that the key to happiness is always some version of bigger or better. Mm-hmm. And while I would never dissuade someone from pursuing bigger and better, um, I think that's fantastic. I just have found that sometimes the path to bigger and better or the path to something that is completely a different version of that is different or simpler. Like I think a lot of, as humans, we always think bigger, better. Whereas I I think what we should be thinking of is bigger, better, but maybe different or Mm -hmm. maybe simpler. Maybe it lies within that. So um, I I think a lot of, you know, my mindfulness practice is seeing how I can simplify life and not necessarily in a sense of like becoming minimalist or, you know, doing, you know, outrageous, you know, lifestyle changes, but just in the sense of like, where are we getting our information? What are our influences? Who are we trying to please? And narrowing that down to what really matters, because that's the biggest question. It's like what what matters in life. If we could figure out that question, everything we're describing here kind of takes care of itself. And I think mindfulness as a tool helps mm-hmm. you get at an answer for you that says this is what matters, and here's why, and here's why my actions and my thoughts follow suit.
0: Yeah, because I think I think when you do get mindful, you get to know yourself. And for me personally, I feel like a lot of freedom and peace and happiness have come from alignment and authenticity. And you can't really be aligned to yourself if you don't know who you actually are.
1: I would say it's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's I, I don't think it's it's humanly possible. Yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot about like why aren't we honest with ourselves, right? That's the, the foundation for being aligned for, for any anything that would come from it. And all the things we just described are our reason, I would say. But, you know, I try to think about, like, how can we incentivize people to, to be honest with themselves so that they could be honest with other people? And, and around and around we go, it's like, the, 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 this is going to sound like such a boring, simple answer, but, like, being honest with yourself feels good. It mm-hmm. feels good to be one person on the inside and outside. What prevents us from doing that in reality, because that's a theory thought, is judgment from other people. Right, we we are we are debilitated by fear of judgment from others. That is the main piece of friction I've found that
0: mm-hmm. is the first
1: hurdle to get over when it comes from. I, yeah, I'll be honest with myself, but bringing that out into the real world is is a completely different, um, you know, story. the The thing that I come back to a lot with mindfulness and and wellness and and everything is like, my my the version of mindfulness that I'm so drawn to is like it's a little aggressive. Like it's not like overly masculine but it it, it it's like it's not always about hand holding and and sensitivity that's a very big part of it of course like i'm very (laughs) sensitive and compassionate in that sense but a lot of like the mindfulness that i gravitate towards is is purposed to incentivize you to take action to do things to shake things up to run through walls to do these things to be incentivized to do it from a wholesome place like the idea of like speaking up for instance is one, one that i really like Talk a lot about, which would be taking your inner honesty and bringing it out into the real world. It's like, what, what do you get from being honest with other people? And this is where we lose the plot all the time, because this is where we start to talk ourselves out of being honest. Well, you get one of two things when you're honest with someone else, and it's guaranteed every single time. You either get what you want from that conversation, or you get what you need from that conversation, both of which always serve you. So get what you want would be, hey, here's how I feel. If we're talking about relationships, for instance, here's how I feel. Here's I want to have this conversation. They're like, Oh my gosh, I had no idea. But thank you for bringing this up. Now we're on the same page. Fantastic. Get what you want, or you get what you need. They say, you know, thanks a lot, but I'm not interested in what you're selling. Ouch, hurts, rejection, heartbreak, but you got what you need. You're no longer in a holding pattern. You're no longer chasing your tail. So every time for me and that, and we're talking tactical here about speaking your mind, for instance, but it's the same for being who you really are, dressing how you want all these things, you always get what you want or get what you need, both of which always serve you. So like, that's the kind of practical, logical mindfulness that I'm, you know, really drawn to.
0: Yeah, I mean, self love is like, it's compassion acceptance and accountability like we're not here to it's not always about feeling good sometimes those things that we want do lie on the other side of discomfort or fear um you know uh, I'm curious to hear how you supported yourself in starting to do these uncomfortable things that you knew though were going to get you closer to what you wanted or what or give you what you needed
1: yeah yeah I'll try to avoid the latter but. It's again, for me, it was always about like, how can I incentivize myself to do it? We're not stupid. Like we know that these are good things, right? We know that from day one, people have been telling us do this, do that. Like, it's good to be honest with other people. Like the wrong ones will leave and the right ones will, like we're, we're bought into the theory of it. We know these things are right. So it comes down to how can you incentivize yourself to push through the awkwardness, to push through the fear? It's something I've, I've been doing for a long time um and this again sounds silly and elementary but this is how we're wired like i kind of gamify it in a sense like i i did an episode maybe 400 episodes ago so years ago where i talked about like building confidence how i build confidence and the idea was anytime i force myself to do something that is awkward potentially embarrassing you know tease me up to be rejected the contexts within which you build confidence anytime i'm willing to do that i give myself an awkward point Oh, that was awkward. I give myself a point. Well, that was embarrassing. Give myself a point. With uh-huh. the recollection being, you cash in points for confidence, like a like a state fair winning a teddy bear. Like you need the points to receive the thing that you want. So for me, it's always like, what are the building blocks of the things that I want, and how can I and how can I force myself to receive those things? And so in the instances of, of you know now aligning myself. In instances where I'm like, oh man, I don't know if I want to do this because it could be embarrassing. I'm like, no, I want that point. Give me that point. Cause I know what the point gives me in the future. So it requires discipline and, and awareness, but like, just like little pieces of incentive like that in the previous example we were discussing, like now, anytime I'm having a conversation, whether it's with my girlfriend or a prospective business partner or my agent or something like that. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to say that because that's awkward or maybe they'll judge me. The little mantra in my mind is: "Case, get what you want or get what you need. Get what you want or get what you need. Don't stand in this land of gray ambiguity. Like force yourself. So a lot of mindfulness for me is forcing myself to do things that are mindful in in nature.
0: Hmm. No, I love that. I really, really believe." so deeply like we're supposed to be working with ourselves and like there's these I actually was just having a conversation about this with somebody um in person but like we're told like we're our own worst enemy and there's these things that we we hear and we say that kind of pit us against ourselves and kind of act as if we're the enemy but I've found the more I like treat myself as a friend and like try to work with myself the further I go the easier it is to go further faster like it's just it's such a I love that you're like you're kind of like your own teammate, and you're like, "How do we get to where we want to go together?"
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's so important. Something that comes to mind for that is, yeah, right. It's like the way we talk to ourselves, right? Our inner dialogue. If if we're defeatist, if we're beating ourselves up, if we're cruel to ourselves, we've lost before we can even begin. One of the the corollaries that I kind of flip to bring to like help people better talk to themselves is. Um, there's this guy, Dr. John Gottman, Gottman Institute. He's the world-renowned researcher, psychologist around relationships, right? Two people, relationshipping. Um, and he's got some of the longest standing research on like what makes relationships work, what doesn't, what are the warning signs, all this great stuff. He has something that he calls the, the magic ratio, which is five to one, where they basically studied these, these couples over a course of 15 years in the 70s, followed them from these experiment, experiments they did through their relationships to see which ones succeeded and which ones didn't. Mm -hmm. And the way that they were able to predict this, like with like 99% um, success was they looked at this ratio of five to one in the, in the context of conflict or friction or disagreement, um, the couples that were most able to stay together had a ratio of five to one of five positive things to one negative things, things said in the context of their dialogue, right? So five, you know, uh, positive praising, you know, expressing that they're important to each other versus one negative, you know, um, you know, very, you know, kind of constructive type feedback. And based on the five to one, they were then able to say, well, these will work. These won't. And and it carried out. I take that concept and I bring it to myself the way that I talk to myself in my head five to one ratio, at least five positive, affirming, not judgmental ways that I talk to myself, praise myself. Encourage myself to one, okay, sure, two, okay, sure, you know, human judgmental things towards myself. So little things like that. It's like we spend so much time thinking about other people, praising other people, thinking about how we can make other people comfortable or feel seen, which is great. I think that's a big purpose of life, but we forget ourselves. So I think it behooves us to take a five to one ratio, magic ratio, and, and put it in our own lives and just remind ourselves that we can't be second fiddle to other people. Like we we definitely can prioritize other people, but if we're not being kind to ourselves in the process, we've lost the plot <laughs> entirely.
0: No, it's so true. It's, it's so funny, actually, because I literally just was posting this on um, Instagram about how something that really helped me learn about how to have a relationship with myself was applying all this knowledge that I had like gathered uh, for how to have a healthy relationship. Um, I was going through a breakup uh, like two years ago, and it, I was just like, desperate to fix it. And so I was studying all these things about relationships and how to fix things, how to work through things, how to fix codependency. And I started applying this stuff to my relationship with me. And it's just wild when you realize how you really, like people, people act like self-love you know, it's talked about, it's like, you know, glorified and all that. But I don't think people understand. That's what true self-love is. It's actually building an intimate, healthy relationship with yourself, which is the foundation mm-hmm. then for how you treat and relate to other people. I don't know if you've had this uh, thought, found this to be true, but for me, the more I have deepened that relationship with myself, the more I've actually been able to hold space for other people and show up differently. And people have argued with me on that. And I'm like, you, it, I just don't know that you have met yourself that deeply when you think that you can really show up and truly love another person if you don't do that for yourself first. Um, I don't know. You might agree or disagree with me, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I agree 99%. Okay. I think it's I think it's essential that you love yourself and have strong opinions and praise yourself because otherwise, what standard are we setting for our relationships? It's absolutely ridiculous the the one percent where I, I'm not disagreeing, the one percent where I think we need to have um some leniency because like uh, most of the advice around breakups, for instance, and you know getting back into the dating scene after you've been hurt, most of it says, Remove yourself. You don't need another person. Take all the time you need to love yourself. Come back to yourself. Find happiness within yourself. Mm -hmm. I say 99%. Yes, I love it. Take literally as much time as you need. We're not rushing. We're not forming identities around our relationships. There is a 1% though that I come back to where I think a big part of the healing process and the big part of the self-love process requires you to opening yourself up to allow someone to love you. I think that's like the pivotal part of the process of loving yourself Mm -hmm. is loving yourself so much that you allow yourself to let someone else love you. And I think it requires a a couple of things that prove self love, which is vulnerability, openness, a willingness to be hurt because you know, you've got yourself if you do, but two, also there's something that I think could be life-changing about finding the right person who does love you fully and you can look to their example and say, wow, they they see all of me, all of me, and they still love me. I see all of me, yet I don't love me. Maybe this person's example can inspire me to love myself fully. So I think there's a lot there, of course. But mm-hmm. I, I think sometimes I, I see a lot of the, you know, it's kind of in vogue, right? The savage dating advice, like screw them, like you're going to go travel the world forever. You're going to be the hot ant single in your 40s, whatever. I, I think it's a vibe, of course, for sure. But I think if we're getting real with ourselves, like real, real, uh, part of that process is humbling yourself again. And not in the sense of being like, all right, let's see what happens. But in the sense of, all right, let's 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 see what happens because I can open myself up to be hurt again because I know I have myself. Oh, and then there's this tremendous potential reward on the other side, which is finding that person and them even helping me love myself even more, right? There's that adage, right? The right person helps you bring you back your, to yourself. The right person helps you love yourself more. So that's that. That's kind of how I see things come full circle, which is how I think it should be.
0: Yeah, no, no, it, it's so true. I think uh, the holistic psychologist was, uh, she had a post that said, uh, if a lot of the damage is done in relationship, then it makes sense that a lot of healing is also done mm-hmm. in a relationship. And I think, I guess, yeah, I didn't mean to to say that it's like, you can't like you need to be completely isolated and and have your relationship with yourself like completely solid before you engage with others i think at least just from my experience there's so much emphasis on your relationship with other people and internal and external kind of focus on that uh and none on yourself and i just for me actually investing in building that deep intimate healthy relationship with myself like teaching myself, I had my own back. That has just really helped my other relationships. But you're so right. Like I've experienced so much healing in relationship. People showing me what patience looks like. People showing me what love and trust looks like. Um, seeing, seeing qualities in me that I was struggling to see in myself. Um, so you're you're a hundred percent right. Like we need those intimate relationships with other people too to really experience the fullness of life and and really uh, reach our full potential. I think as individuals.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the 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 point about the holistic psychologist, what you just said, she, I, I'm not familiar with that, but I she's referenced a lot of, um, oh man, I'm re- blanking in his name, Doctor Gabor, or I forget his name, but he does a lot of, um, he talks a lot about healing and trauma, and he talks a lot about, I forget the quote that I pulled out of his writing before, that was like, like where you where you've been hurt is also where you will heal, and you know you could take that in many different directions. To me, it's like where you've been hurt, the contexts within which you've been hurt are exactly where you need to revisit in the future. Not just like a trip down memory lane, but like literally within that context, if you've been hurt within a relationship, like your willingness to not necessarily get in another one, but your willingness to open yourself up, that's where you'll heal in the same way. And like, in sales like where you failed before is where you'll succeed again or like whatever may be so i think it's really important part of the the process of moving forward and loving yourself and healing is our willingness to you know put ourselves right back in that situation that did objectively hurt a lot before because mm-hmm. that's where we prove otherwise for the future it's where we say that you know our past doesn't define our future so i'm glad you brought that up i'm gonna look that up uh later but i love that that reference
0: yeah, I know her stuff has hit home so many times. Um, I'll send it to you if I can find it again. Um, I think that's such a great segue though into something else I wanted to chat with you about, which was, I know in one of your recent podcast episodes, you were talking about the difference between being like looking like you're strong or appearing strong versus like actually being strong. And I know a lot of that you did tie to vulnerability. Um, how I'd love to, especially as a guy, I feel like this is less- Guys are less supported in this. Like they really are kind of pushed to appearing strong. Um, how did you kind of get behind being vulnerable or come to these conclusions? And uh, yeah, I'd love to hear kind of your perspective as a guy on this topic.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot to unpack there, right? We talk about toxic masculinity and the mask of masculinity and what it means to be a man. You could talk about social dynamics and, and all these things. I think for me, I, I return to the the power of logic. Me as a man, I want to be a strong man, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the same way that we should want strength in any partner, man or woman, right? Strength is is a noble trait, not physical strength. We're talking about human strength. So like, okay, so me wanting to be a man, I don't want to be a fragile fake man. That is some a guy who acts tough, but is really a little weenie on the inside. I don't want to, I don't want to be that guy. So For me, it's like, okay, well, then we've got to define something here. What is strength? What does it mean to be a strong man? For me, a man. Or just what does it mean to be a strong person? For me, though, what does it mean to be a strong man? We can rattle off all the things. And I think this is where we get in trouble. When we start rattling off performative measures of being a strong man, that's where we get into this thing of a strong man is basically this statue, someone who just puts his head down and deals with it and yada, yada, yada that's where we have to draw the line in redefining what strength is. Like, let's think logically about what strength is. There's the quote that's like, courage isn't the absence of fear. It's the triumph over it. Hmm. Cool, right? Cool adage. Same idea. Let's bring it into the practical. Strength isn't just being strong. It's taking a vulnerable feeling and triumphing over it. But if you don't have the feeling, then there is no strength. You're just in la la land. You're just acting arbitrarily. Mm -hmm. So, to be strong, you have to feel something, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about like feelings sharing time. I'm talking about here's how I feel objectively, and here's the game plan. And then you go and you do it. That is what makes a strong man. That's what makes a strong person. Not ignoring that feeling because you need it. It's like alchemy, it's transformation. You need to transform the the feeling into action that is strength. So for men in particular, you know, it's, it's not a matter of, you know, feeling sad for yourself or, you know, any being overly sensitive. It's a matter of saying, Hey, for instance, I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling anxious. I'm not feeling seen by you, my partner. Um, I'm feeling like I'm lost, whatever vulnerable feeling, sit in that feeling, be honest with that feeling. And then the strength is, And here's what i'm going to do about it and then you go out and do it that is connecting the full spectrum i think of humanity with being a man which is yeah men should be action oriented powerful all these things but without that foundation of honesty it's not really strength and that's where i think a lot of men miss the mark i think that's where women miss the mark in um, defining what a masculine man looks like. So I think this idea of redefining what strength is, it could help men and women and anyone in general actually be strong and not just appear strong. And that's the biggest difference, right? It's easy to say, Oh, I'm going to do all these things and you do them, but it's just on this shaky foundation. We have to feel what we feel and then face the feeling and bring it out into the world. It's honesty within and honesty on the outside. So that's just how I think about it. It's just a logical redefining of, of strength.
0: No, I love that. Especially, I feel like I feel like men and women are kind of sold short in the area when it comes to like emotions, actually, because I feel like women, it's so acceptable and normalized to like be all emotional and feel your feelings and express your feelings. But I don't, I personally, and I, I feel like women in general have not had a lot of that education for then the strength. Piece where it's like you actually process it and move through it and then take aligned action to actually change things Uh, because those emotions are indications Mm -hmm. that something is not working great for you and then men had the opposite where it's like you know you're it's all about like action and you know right right. like not having the emotions rule you and we kind of need both we need to feel them but then process them and not let them rule you and take inspired action
1: yeah. Well, that's, that's so great. Yeah, you're absolutely right. This is, this is for everyone. And I think, right, those are the two tropes that if we're doing male and female, they fall into, right? Mm-hmm. Women have the the trope of feeling, maybe feeling too much, but not doing anything. Men just doing without feeling and having no basis or logic to it. So yeah, I think for anyone coming back to the necessity of being honest with yourself, which is again, which is the basis of mindfulness, which is the basis of identity and self love, it like can only it could only benefit us. And it doesn't have to like, same with like my journey into journaling, for instance, like which is the art of being honest with yourself in written form. I used to think that journaling was for sad people, right? Journaling is, for, oh, you got your little diary. You're going to write about how sad you are. And of course, that's a totally valid time to journal. So it's, it's a great time to journal when you are sad. But journaling is also for when you're when you're happy or you're celebrating or you're proud of yourself. It's like feelings are across the whole spectrum. And to say that only the negative ones define you is a a ridiculous thing. So I think we just, again, more about incentive to be honest with yourself, incentive to share. Like it's the whole spectrum. It's not just the sad ones or the sensitive ones. We have a wide variety of emotions, a lot of which are fantastic, all of which inform us. That I think coming back to just rebranding, we're going to do a rebrand on what it means to be honest with ourselves. I think it'll hopefully push us to a point where we actually do it and then have actions follow it.
0: Yeah, no, I actually am excited you brought up your journals because I think your journals are fantastic. I think so. This is that I talk oh, about. You. Yeah, yeah. Um, they like this is this is kind of emotional availability and emotional resilience is something that I, I coach on and, and talk about a lot. But I a lot of people don't realize like that the dealing with uncomfortable emotions comes from, you have to like actually get them out. And I think your journals do such a fantastic job with the prompts. Uh, Just, I was looking through some of them and I was like, oh my goodness, like this, they're, it's fantastic for actually like helping somebody who doesn't know where to start, how to start building this intimacy and like actually get out all this stuff going on inside of them. And I also love that it's it's about, it's about the full spectrum. Like you're not just wanting to know the happy parts of another person, hopefully. And you're probably not wanting to just know all of the sad or the struggles, you know, sad parts or struggles of another person. You want to know the full spectrum when you really want to get to know somebody. And I feel like you do such a great job with that in your journals. Do you want to kind of go through Cause you have six of them. Do you want to kind of break down what like each one does? And, and also I would love to know like how you just came up with like some of these prompts? Was it just from your relationship with you and the work you did with yourself?
1: Yeah, well, thank you for that. First of all, it's kind of you. I think, I mean, back to our whole conversation, I think the one thing I'm getting good at is questions. Asking myself powerful questions. What is strength? So on and so forth. So really that that's what what you can see in my journals is powerful questions. I think a journal, like there's many types of journaling, right? There's like stream of consciousness, bullet journaling, all these things all of which I think are powerful and, you know, are good for whatever you're looking for. I think the best journals have the best questions, the most powerful questions, the most unsettling questions, the most awkward questions. Those are the ones that make you think the hardest. Those are the, the best journals. So for me, that's what I try to do. That's all it is. I, I try to present questions in a way that I get you to be open and honest with yourself and, hmm. um, I have developed quite a few over the, over the years. I think I do have six or seven at this point Um, reason being, you know, it's not just different journals with different questions. Like a lot of them are focused on different contexts, which I think are helpful. I have a couple that are just, you know, generic, I don't want to say generic, that are general clarity driven journals, right? Mm -hmm. So you you could develop a, a habit around, let me make sure I have clarity in this moment in this moment. Is it a yes? Is it a no for anything? I've developed a journal called unbothered, which is specifically for anxious thoughts. How can we clear through the noise to find clarity? I developed uh, one for the idea of manifesting called The First Inner Peace, about finding peace within yourself so that you can manifest. I developed a couple around dating, right around, one around closure, one around uh, dating in the present. I just came out with one recently called um, The Bold Journal, which is about reinventing yourself, practical ways to let go, kind of what we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, basically just a, a practical form of sharing feelings with yourself. There's a lot of great science and neuroscience behind uh, journaling. Andrew Huberman did a you know 18-hour-long episode on on journaling, neuroplasticity, mind and body connection. It's fantastic. I think a lot of men can really benefit from journaling because it's such a practical way to say, all right, let's let's see what this feelings sharing thing is all about. Right? There's no audience. There's no need for poetry. No one's judging you. You just write it down, and you step away. So I think as just like a baseline entry level way to start practicing mindfulness. It's, it's simple. And that's what I think we need sometimes because wellness, mm-hmm. there's so many amazing ways to practice wellness and so many practitioners of it. It's fantastic. But sometimes you can get lost in it a little bit. Oh, I, I've got to do a cold plunge and then a sound bath and then I've got to meditate and then I've got to read a Tony Robbins book and then I've got to you know, hire a life coach. It, it, it could become a lot
0: overwhelming start
1: with journaling <laughs> start with yeah. journaling so that's that's my my diatribe on journaling
0: well that's that's how you build any relationship with anybody else right you sit down and you talk like you get to know the person it's like it's the literal it's so simple but like that's how you build a relationship with yourself um, Yeah,
1: imagine that yeah crazy thought right? yeah right do it, do it with yourself yeah exactly
0: yeah things are so much simpler than we make them out to be a lot of the time
1: Yes. 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 To the whole theme here. I think, I think our purpose in life is to simplify uh, the best we can.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, like how can, cause I, I personally, and also I feel like I know so many women who would love to meet a guy who is mindful, who is connected to himself, who's able mm-hmm. to be healthy with his emotions, you know, kind of what we talked about, feel them, express them, acknowledge them, but then also not let them, you know, completely destroy or rule him as well um or keep him from taking action uh do you have any advice for women for either either being able to kind of attract and find these men or for maybe supporting the men already in their life M- the men man used be family or romantic partnership but right you know in kind of connecting more to their emotions and becoming more actually strong
1: yeah i mean this, this is the question i get a lot which is like where can we find men sometimes people say like me which is a crazy thing like I, I lead these sessions and i'll talk about these things and they'll be like where can we find men who are doing these things like like you say you do case right where can we find men who do the things that you're describing
0: but this of course that. i do receive that
1: oh i I'll, I'll take it you know i'm a work in progress of course but i i appreciate it i, I do genu- genuinely try to lead by example but I would say when I hear that question, I don't know, I don't really know to be honest, like tactically, like where can you find open, honest, emotional men? The answer would be everywhere, of course these these men are everywhere. um, but they're also every other one is the closed off particular you know the the off brand type. So I think to answer your question, it would be more of like, you know, how can you how can you like spot that, you know you you find a man who has the is on that emotional journey to bettering understanding himself, right? Not is there completely because that's maybe a little off base of an expectation, but who is doing the work. I think just on the spot here thinking out loud. I think a good way to like judge a man's capacity for this and their eagerness to do it because someone could say one thing and then do another, like where are they actually on their journey? I think a good corollary would be like, how do they react? to your emotional honesty. I think that that's like a good a good gauge because someone who like if I tell you that I'm feeling sensitive or anxious or you know really down on myself and you dismiss it that's that's a pretty interesting way to understand how they also react to their own feelings. Just as a corollary here, we're just, we're just trying to react to things. So like that's one as well. Like how do they react to your feelings? Well, it's probably an indication of how they react to their own. So start there. At least you can give something and get a, a feedback loop going. Of course. Um, you know, the second would be conversation. Like there's all kinds of questions that I encourage people to ask in, in dating and whatnot, but people could say one thing and do another. Um, but I think someone who's comfortable with your emotions and your honesty, it's a good indication that they're hopefully open and honest and comfortable with their own. So maybe, maybe use that as, as a lens, not necessarily encouraging you to just Emotion dump on someone and <laughs> seeing, up, seeing yeah. what happens. Just <laughs> back up a truck of emotions, Um but I think yeah, maybe that's a, a practical way to maybe get closer to finding you know a guy who's on this on this type of journey.
0: I love that, yeah, and even just how they maybe even talk about self help or people who are going through heart yeah. or stuff in general. That's so that's, that's
1: great. Yeah, yeah, simple simple I'm stuff, funny. right? How do they how do they talk about tough topics. How do they talk about emotionally driven topics? Do they make fun of it and talk about fantasy football instead? Like, let's just look at the the simple things we can. That's good.
0: Yeah, do they deflect or just completely deflect? Redirect. Yeah. 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 What about if they want to for women who like maybe they're dating somebody and they really care about them, they love them. There's a lot of good things, but this is kind of lacking and they want to kind of encourage their partner in maybe getting a bit more in touch with themselves and their emotions?
1: yeah well i mean i think I, I men women we're all fragile creatures right some of us are triggered by criticism i don't take criticism very well um that's one of the things that i'm working on the, the most practical answer i would say is work on the delivery of your request of your feedback whatever it may be mm-hmm. there's a big difference between saying hey like I don't think you're open with me and you seem like you're being dishonest. There's a big difference between that and saying, it makes me feel really good when you're honest with me, whatever, be more specific. But like, there's a big delivery (laughs) difference there as practical as that is. And I think people are, people close themselves off or open themselves up based on, on, on the delivery of these things. So I think really if you're trying to encourage a man to do these things, there's a way to do it. That's not in a hand holding, patronizing way, but the right man, for instance, you say, it makes me feel really seen when you, you XYZ emotion, honesty attribute. The right man's gonna be like, oh, hell yeah. You're, you're giving me the blueprint to make you happy, and I want to make you happy. I want to foster this relationship. Let's go. Keep spoon feed. I love that. That's fantastic. You know, the right person's gonna be open to that type of thing. So I think for one, you know, back to the idea of get what you want, get what you need, like speaking your mind, the right person's going to love it. The right mm-hmm. person is going to be like, this is, this is amazing. Like I talk a lot about like, and I consume a lot of content. I feel like half of what I do is reacting to what other people think and, and say about dating and mindfulness. And, you know, there's a whole, you know, strew of content on, on TikTok in particular about like, oh, he should just know that, or, mm-hmm. you know, the, you know, if you wanted to, he would like think, things there. And in that realm, not necessarily those two. And, you know, I come back to reality, (laughs) which is that no one can read anyone's minds for one. And two, the right person, when you tell them something that makes you happy or that you want from them, it's going to make the right person ecstatic. You are giving them the blueprint to make you happy and they want to make you happy. And it doesn't take out the romanticness of it. Like I see some women sometimes say, well, if I had to tell him to do that and then he does it, does it really mean anything because I told him to do it? Mm -hmm. I don't think so. The fact that he was open to it, you told him and then he does it now consistently. That's amazing. That's an amazing thing. So I think we need to get it out of our heads a little bit about this idea of having to tell people what you want or how you feel you know, there's something to be said, certainly about having to do it repeatedly, then we're, then we have to have a conversation, but expressing honesty and requesting it in return, I think is like the sexiest, most attractive thing you could do in a relationship. And the right person's going to think the same thing. And we just need to check ourselves, maybe a little bit of ego, um, out the door to get to the point where we're willing to do that type of thing
0: yeah, no, I absolutely love what you said. I, I this has actually come up um a couple of times um on the podcast in some recent episodes. I think that in addition to like toxic masculinity in our society, I think there's toxic romanticism, maybe like some of it's from Disney. Yeah. but it, like if, even just talking about how we build healthy relationships with ourselves and other people and what we've ch- chatted about on in this episode, like it's it's intentionality. It's, you know, caring about getting to know the other person, how they're doing, you know, for me building a relationship and trust with myself has been a lot of small, consistent acts of showing up for myself in the ways that are fun and exciting and in the ways that are challenging and hard. Um, Kind of like, you know, what we chatted about earlier, like doing those things that I know will help me in the long run, even though they're uncomfortable in the moment, you know, and that really is love. And yes, you know, grand gestures are exciting, but like, if that's what we're looking to for the basis of deciding if somebody loves us or not, like it just, I agree. It just, it's kind of wildly misplaced. And like it, I think that that's more of a basis of, does somebody really care about you? Is if you give them feedback of how to better love you, they're excited to do that. And they want to do that. Yeah.
1: I love that. That's a, such a great, I love little wordplay. I like that. Toxic romanticizing. I think that's so apt, particularly in this instance here, right? And the fact mm-hmm. that no one can read your mind and just yeah, because yeah. you have to speak your mind doesn't mean that they're wrong for you or they're not in tune with you. Like, let's be <laughs> pragmatic. But also I, I to the idea of self-love and self-identity of kind of the theme that we've been touching on here, I also come back to the idea of like over- over romanticizing the purpose of a relationship too, like mm-hmm. that's where we get lost and we forget ourselves because we're so hell bent on thinking that a relationship defines us and gives us purpose in life you know i'm in the process of writing a book for next year which is Ooh. help helping us come back to the idea that love and relationships is amazing it's a huge fundamental part and purpose of life but it's an amplification of yourself it has to be the, the idea um, for some of this where I was like, I should finally write this book that I've been thinking about. I was in LA um, at Rachel Hollis's studio, girl, wash your face. Um, she wrote the book yeah, yeah, yeah. and we were, and we were talking about her divorce and she was, you said it real quick. She was like, something, something, something. And she was like, yeah. And then I realized, you know, I just didn't, I didn't want someone to build a life with, I didn't want that anymore. I wanted someone to go out and do life with after mm-hmm. her divorce. And I was like, oh, it's really exactly what I've been wanting to write this book on. The fact that like someone's purpose in your life is to amplify your happiness, your character, your curiosity, your drive, your intelligence, your independence, all these things. The purpose isn't to run in circles and you know be desperate until you finally find someone and then you can go out and build life together. This whole whole idea, even that phrase like I want to build a life together, I think is a little you know, it's a fine phrase, of course, we're not going to dissect it too much, but I think it puts too much unfair pressure on the purpose of a relationship that until you find someone, you're not building life, which is, you know, it doesn't give us any credit for what we're capable of doing on our own. The purpose is to go out and do life together, to take both of everything you've done so far and combine it and amplify it and bring it out into the world. Romanticize that. For sure, but don't romanticize to your to your topic here of romanticizing being incomplete without a partner, or romanticizing that the right person will just be able to look at you and know exactly what you need. Um, and this is this is all very uplifting. I'm a I'm a delusional optimist. It sounds like a little bit of a downer, but I think redefining things like strength and the purpose of a relationship and communication is is the most attractive, empowering thing in the world because it it's all. Uh, it's all amplification. It's all additive to your life. Not having it doesn't mean you're less, you know, having a conversation with a partner about what you need doesn't mean it's unhealthy, right? These are things that that um, I think just need a little bit of tweaking and will maybe come around to them a little bit better. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, completely aligned. I, I really am passionate about this stuff too, because it's sad. And it's so sad because it's a lie that I think women are sold a lot more than men. I grew up waiting for God and a man to save me. Like I literally was waiting for those things to kind of make my life complete and amazing. And it I finally realized and woke up was like, I need to save myself. I need to go create a life that I am wildly passionate about and excited about. And, and, and everything else should be a cherry on top. And I think you know, kind of what you're saying, though, it's that need for other people to to complete you to make your life feel exciting, and amazing. It's because you're not connected to you when you're connected to you, you you don't need it from somebody else. It's just an add on. Um, and so I, and I say that with so much love because I know, you know, when you're desperately searching for love last thing you want to hear is that you need to love yourself you're like oh
1: yeah that's such a that's such a like a screw off (laughs) like that's such an annoying thing to hear but it's so true
0: yeah well yeah and it's this lie that we're sold I don't know if it's Disney I don't know if it's religion I don't know what it was but it's like what we need Well, it goes back to full circle what we were saying like what we need isn't outside of ourselves. it's inside and you know that's again why I was so excited about like everything that you're doing because it's encouraging people to connect to themselves to get to know themselves and like it's that 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 self-love really that gives you all those things that you're looking for to save you outside of you and and changes that narrative and then from that place you become really magnetic when you're you're already you have everything you don't need anything
1: yeah couldn't agree more again yeah, it starts with the uh, redefining reinventing whatever re-ing we need I think it, it really helps get back to the core of what is most important and I think the the last thing I would say about you know, we talked about men, we talked about the purpose of a relationship. One of the things I'm, I think about men a lot. Why why I think for one, a lot of men screw relationships up is because a core component of being a man is being independent, right? Mm -hmm. It's a great quality. Um, A lot of men see a relationship and independence as mutually exclusive. They do not operate within the, the same realm. And women, too. A lot of women, you know, uh, you know, don't want their independence threatened by a man and they think they'll lose this, that or the other. Right. We all we all have the fear of losing as independence. Hmm. Um, So I think a lot about independence as a core attribute of a relationship. And I come back to something called the dependency paradox, which is a, a, you know, observation in adolescence and and child rearing that says that uh, parents, caregiver and child the more dependent the child is on the caregiver, not codependent, but dependent in the sense of knowing that they're protected and cared for by this person, yeah. the stronger that bond is between the child and the caregiver, the more independent the child is willing to be, right. the more independent they are, the more willing they are to take a step and fall, run away, do, do these things, right? That, that is the dynamic that plays out in, in childhood and, and adolescence. And, I think about that same idea in a relationship. The more dependent you are on each other, talking about healthy dependence, the more loyal you are, open and honest, supportive you are of each other, the more independent you both should feel in the relationship. It's mm. it's inversely paradoxical. It, you should feel empowered to be independent. The right person helps you do that. So when I when I talk to men and we're talking about the purpose of a relationship in their lives, a lot of men... Do the whole song and dance of oh, I don't know if I'm the settle down kind of guy because XYZ. It's like we're reevaluating what it means to settle down. We're reevaluating the purpose of a relationship in that sense. It should, it should amplify and it should add to your independence. And then women on the on the on the flip side, you know, a relationship's purpose is to amplify both of your independence. There's no there's no, you know. You know, constricting or holding back—it's—it's um, it's a gift in both contexts. So I, I talk a lot about that because I think it's such an uplifting way to think about what a relationship gives you in the long run. When in the effort of amplifying, it amplifies independence, and I think again, redefining that now can help give people, you know, a new lens through which to look at the health of their current relationship if they're not feeling that, but also just in general, like why, why anyway. So just something to to add there about independence.
0: No, I I love that. That's really, that's really deep um, and beautiful. That's, that is the goal. I love that. You're just, you're really helping redefine a lot of these narratives um, or rewrite these narratives, redefine some of these terms, like strength and masculinity and all that stuff. I think it's, this is such important work because it's really helping. It's helping people actually create lives and relationships that feel amazing. I think we were so focused on how things look, um a lot in in the past and in society and now we're really kind of coming home to this like how do we create lives and dynamics that feel good um so I would love for you to share where can people find you where can maybe start off with Instagram and then your website and then also where can they purchase if they want to get any of your books any of your journals love for you to kind of I'll have everything linked in the show notes guys but also if you're just listening and want to type it in
1: Cool. Well, thank you. Thank you for uh, giving me a platform to talk about things that <laughs> make me excited, and, and redefining is, is a big part of it. Uh, yeah, it's case.kenny on Instagram. Everything's in my bio there, but um, journals and books, uh, newmindsetwhoodis.com. They're also on Amazon. And then the podcast is the same name, New Mindset Who Dis. And that's, of course, everywhere you listen to podcasts.
0: Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This was really a great conversation, and I'm really grateful for what you're doing in the world. And I, I know a lot of other people are. Um, So thank you for your time.
1: Well, likewise. Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I so enjoyed this conversation with Case. I had takeaways and just left feeling very uplifted and inspired. So I hope you felt the same and also got a lot out of it. If you did and you are enjoying the podcast, I would love if you could leave a rating and review. It really helps in terms of growth and discoverability for us as podcasters. So if you feel so inclined, I would be so grateful. Also, if you are looking for support with some of the things that we talked about in this episode, especially, I know we touched a lot on doing the hard things that get us what we want in life, such as being really honest with ourselves, being really honest with others, making change, building a relationship with ourselves. These are things that I work on in my one on one coaching with my clients because. All of these things really contribute to us being in our power, as I mentioned in the beginning of the episode. Personal power really comes from a foundation of being really good with yourself internally, having a strong relationship built on self-trust, which includes knowing how to emotionally support yourself, being emotionally available to yourself, and ultimately building emotional resilience. Emotional resilience is what allows us to do those hard things that really are what stand in between us and the things that we so often desire, such as intimacy with a partner, asking for that raise or applying for that new job, making the move to a city where maybe you don't know people, just trying to meet new people. Most of the things in life that we're not doing that we want to do because we know they're going to support us and get us what we want, we're not doing them because of the difficult emotions that come up for us when we go to do those things, such as fear. Or it's oftentimes fear of uncomfortable emotions, like fear of embarrassment, fear of rejection. And when we know how to actually Feel and process and release these emotions, work with ourselves through the emotions, we're able to then take the action anyway and be there for ourselves if maybe the action doesn't go as planned. And that's really what has gotten me so far in life is taking these inspired actions that often include risk and facing uncomfortable emotions. But on the other side has been so much growth and so much reward. And this is something I work on a lot with my clients because most of the things that they are looking to manifest, there's areas of growth, that need to happen within themselves and maybe things that they need to do differently in their life, whether it is ending a relationship that's not serving them and with somebody that's not who they want, or it's rearranging their schedule differently because they want to prioritize themselves and their rest because they're operating from a place of burnout and not able to create what they want to create from that place. There's so many different ways that these things play out practically, but the foundation is the relationship with themselves and being able to support themselves in stepping into that higher self and taking action in the ways that they know are going to support and serve them. So if that's something you would like support in, I have, you can book a discovery call with me in the show notes, which is where I just go over my coaching program and what it looks like, answer any questions. I also have something that I've actually had a lot of feedback on recently from clients that they shared. It really helped them in knowing that they wanted to work with me in my long-term coaching container which is a single session. So it's actually a coaching session with me and it's quite discounted actually for my hourly rate. It's not only discounted, but it's also 75 minutes. So you're getting more than an hour with me, but it's a really great opportunity to just experience what working with me feels like, what kind of takeaways and results and shifts you're going to have from our work together. I give homework on all of my calls and honestly, clients do end up having takeaways and shifting and changing things, uncovering blocks, moving through them they really get a lot out of each session so if you want to experience what working with me is like that's a really great way to do it with like no commitment long term Um, and then of course I do have long-term coaching containers if you want to work with me long-term one-on-one to really up level fast and get accountability get support and most of all get the wisdom from somebody who is where you want to be so everything is linked in the show notes if that's something that you're looking for and once again I hope you guys enjoyed the episode and to see you here next week